Chapters 14 through 15 of Irenaeus Against Heresies, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Irenaeus Against Heresies, Book 2. Translated by Alexander Roberts and William H. Rombo. Chapter 14. Valentinus and his followers derived the principles of their system from the heathen. The names only are changed. 1. Much liker the truth and more pleasing is the account which Antiphanes, one of the ancient comic poets, gives in his Theogony as to the origin of all things. For he speaks of chaos as being produced from night and silence, relates that then love sprang from chaos and night from this again light and that from this in his opinion were derived all the rest of the first generation of the gods after these he next introduces a second generation of gods and the creation of the world then he narrates the formation of mankind by the second order of the gods these men that is the heretics adopting this fable as their own have ranged their opinions around it, as if by a sort of natural process, changing only the names of the things referred to, and setting forth the very same beginning of the generation of all things and their production. In place of night and silence, they substitute bythos and sigi. Instead of chaos, they put naos, and for love, by whom, says the comic poet, all other things were set in order, they have brought forward the word, while for the primary and greatest gods they have formed the ions, and in place of the secondary gods, they tell us of that creation by their mother which is outside of the pleroma, calling it the second ogdoad. They proclaim to us, like the writer referred to, that from this ogdoad came the creation of the world and the formation of man maintaining that they alone are acquainted with these ineffable and unknown mysteries. Those things which are everywhere acted in the theatres by comedians with the clearest voices, they transfer to their own system, teaching them undoubtedly through means of the same arguments, and merely changing the names. 2. And not only are they convicted of bringing forward as if their own original ideas, those things which are to be found among the comic poets, but they also bring together the things which have been said by all those who were ignorant of God, and who are termed philosophers, and sewing together, as it were, a motley garment out of a heap of miserable rags, they have, by their subtle manner of expression, furnished themselves with a cloak which is really not their own. They do, it is true, introduce a new kind of doctrine, inasmuch as by a new sort of art it has been substituted for the old. Yet it is in reality both old and useless, since these very opinions have been sewed together out of ancient dogmas redolent of ignorance and irreligion. For instance, Thales of Miletus affirmed that water was the generative and initial principle of all things. Now, it is just the same thing whether we say water or bythus. 
the poet Homer, again, held the opinion that Oceanus, along with mother Thetis, was the origin of the gods. This idea these men have transferred to Bythus and Sigi. Anaximander laid it down that infinitude is the first principle of all things, having seminally in itself the generation of them all, and from this he declares the immense worlds which exist were formed. This too they have dressed up anew, and referred to Bythus and their Ions. Anaxagoras, again, who has also been surnamed Atheist, gave it as his opinion that animals were formed from seeds falling down from heaven upon earth. This thought, too, these men have transferred to the seed of their mother, which they maintain to be themselves, thus acknowledging at once, in the judgment of such as are possessed of sense, that they themselves are the offspring of the irreligious Anaxagoras. 3. Again, adopting the ideas of shade and vacuity from Democritus and Epicurus, they have fitted these to their own views, following upon those teachers who had already talked a great deal about a vacuum and atoms, the one of which they called that which is, and the other that which is not. In like manner, these men call those things which are within the pleroma real existences, just as those philosophers did the atoms, while they maintain that those which are without the pleroma have no true existence, even as those did respecting the vacuum. They have thus banished themselves in this world, since they are here outside of the pleroma, into a place which has no existence. Again, when they maintain that these things below are images of those which have a true existence above, they again most manifestly rehearse the doctrine of Democritus and Plato. For Democritus was the first who maintained that numerous and diverse figures were stamped, as it were, from the forms of things above, and descended from universal space into this world. But Plato, for his part, speaks of matter and exemplar and God. These men, following those distinctions, have styled what he calls ideas, and exemplar, the images of those things which are above, while, through a mere change of name, they boast themselves as being discoverers and contrivers of this kind of imaginary fiction. For, this opinion, too, that they hold the Creator formed the world out of previously existing matter, both Anaxagoras, Empedocles, and Plato expressed before them, as forsooth we learn they also do under the inspiration of their mother. Then again, as to the opinion that everything of necessity passes away to those things out of which they maintain it was also formed, and that God is the slave of this necessity, so that he cannot impart immortality to what is mortal, or bestow incorruption on what is corruptible, but every one passes into a substance similar in nature to itself, both those who are named Stoics from the portico, and indeed all that are ignorant of God, poets and historians alike, make the same affirmation. 
those heretics who hold the same system of infidelity have ascribed no doubt their own proper region to spiritual beings that namely which is within the pleroma but to animal beings the intermediate space while to corporeal they assign that which is material and they assert that god himself can do no otherwise but that every one of the different kinds of substance mentioned passes away to those things which are of the same nature with itself five moreover as to their saying that the saviour was formed out of all the ions by every one of them depositing so to speak in him his own special flower they bring forward nothing new that may not be found in the pandora of hesoid for what he says respecting her these men insinuate concerning the saviour bringing him before us as pandorus as if each of the ions had bestowed on him what he possessed in the greatest perfection again their opinion as to the indifference of eating of meats and other actions and as to their thinking that from the nobility of their nature they can in no degree at all contract pollution whatever they either eat or perform they have derived it from the cynics since they do in fact belong to the same society as do these philosophers they also strive to transfer to the treatment of matters of faith that hair-splitting and subtle mode of handling questions which is in fact a copying of aristotle six again as to the desire they exhibit to refer this whole universe to numbers they have learned it from the pythagoreans for these were the first who set forth numbers as the initial principle of all things and described that initial principle of theirs as being both equal and unequal out of which two properties they conceived that both things sensible and immaterial derived their origin and they held that one set of first principles gave rise to the matter of things and another of their form they affirm that from these first principles all things have been made just as a statue is of its metal and its special form now the heretics have adopted this to the things which are outside of the pleroma the pythagoreans maintained that the principle of intellect is proportionate to the energy wherewith mind as a recipient of the comprehensible pursues its inquiries until worn out it is resolved at length in the indivisible and one they further affirm that hen that is one is the first principle of all things and the substance of all that has been formed from this again proceed the dyad the tetrad the pentad and the manifold generation of the others these things the heretics repeat word for word with a reference to their pleroma and bythus from the same source too they strive to bring into vogue those conjunctions which proceed from unity marcus boasts of such views as if they were his own and as if he were seen to have discovered something more novel than others while he simply sets forth the tetrad of pythagoras as the originating principle and mother of all things seven but i will merely say in opposition to these men 
did all those who have been mentioned with whom you have been proved to coincide in expression know or not know the truth if they knew it then the descent of the saviour into this world was superfluous for why in that case did he descend was it that he might bring that truth which was already known to the knowledge of those who knew it if on the other hand these men did not know it then how is it that while you express yourselves in the same terms as do those who knew not the truth ye boast that yourselves alone possess that knowledge which is above all things although they who are ignorant of god likewise possess it thus then by a complete perversion of language they style ignorance of the truth knowledge and paul well says of them that they make use of novelties of words of false knowledge for that knowledge of theirs is truly found to be false if however taking an impudent course with respect to these points they declare that men indeed did not know the truth but that their mother the seed of the father proclaimed the mysteries of truth through such men even as also through the prophets while the demiurge was ignorant of the proceeding then i answer in the first place that the things which were predicted were not of such a nature as to be intelligible to no one for the men themselves knew what they were saying as did also their disciples and those again who succeeded these and in the next place if either the mother or her seed knew and proclaimed those things which were of the truth and the father is truth then on their theory the saviour lied when he said no one knoweth the father but the son unless indeed they maintain that their seed or mother is no one eight thus far then by means of ascribing to their ions human feelings and by the fact that they largely coincide in their language with many of those who are ignorant of god they have been seen plausibly drawing a certain number away from the truth they led them on by the use of those expressions with which they have been familiar to that sort of discourse which treats of all things setting forth the production of the word of god and of zoe and of nous and bringing into the world as it were the successive emanations of the deity the views again which they propound without either plausibility or parade are simply lies from beginning to end just as those who in order to lure and capture any kind of animals place their accustomed food before them gradually drawing them on by means of the familiar ailment until at length they seize it but when they have taken them captive they subject them to the bitterest of bondage and drag them along with violence whithersoever they please so also do these men gradually and gently persuading others by means of their plausible speeches to accept of the emission which has been mentioned then bring forward things which are not consistent and forms of the remaining emissions which are not such as might have been expected they declare for instance that ten ions were sent forth by logos and zoe 
while from Anthropos and Ecclesia there proceeded twelve, although they have neither proof, nor testimony, nor probability, nor anything whatever of such a nature to support these assertions. And with equal folly and audacity do they wish it to be believed that from Logos and Zoe, being Ions, were sent forth Bythus and Mixis, Agaratos and Henosis, Autophias and Hedone, Asenetos and Syncrasis, Monogenes and Massaria. Moreover, as they affirm, there were sent forth, in a similar way, from Anthropos and Ecclesia, being Ions, Paracletus and Pistis, Patricos and Elpis, Metricos and Agape, Ainos and Sinesis, Ecclesiasticus and Massariotis, Thelitos and Sophia. 9. The passions and error of this Sophia, and how she ran the risk of perishing through her investigation of the nature of the Father, as they relate, and what took place outside of the Pleroma, and from what sort of a defect they teach that the Maker of the world was produced, I have set forth in the preceding book, describing in it, with all diligence, the opinions of these heretics. I have also detailed their views respecting Christ, whom they describe as having been produced subsequently to all these, and also regarding Soter, who, according to them, derived his being from those ions who were formed within the Pleroma. But I have of necessity mentioned their names at present, that from these the absurdity of their falsehood may be made manifest, and also the confused nature of the nomenclature they have devised. For they themselves detract from the dignity of their ions by a multitude of names of this sort. They give out names plausible and credible to the heathen, as being similar to those who are called their twelve gods, and even these they will have to be images of their twelve ions. But the images, so called, can produce names of their own, much more seemly and more powerfully through their etymology to indicate divinity than are those of their fancied prototypes. Chapter 15 no account can be given of these productions. 1. But let us return to the forementioned question as to the production of the ions. And, in the first place, let them tell us the reason of the production of the ions being of such a kind that they do not come in contact with any of those things which belong to creation. For they maintain that those things above were not made on account of creation but creation on account of them, and that the former are not images of the latter, but the latter of the former. As, therefore, they render a reason for the images by saying that the month has thirty days on account of the thirty ions, and the day twelve hours, and the year twelve months on account of the twelve ions which are within the Pleroma, with other such nonsense of the same kind, let them now tell us also the reason for that production of the ions, why it was of such a nature. For what reason the first and first begotten Ogdoad was sent forth, and not a pentad, or a triad, or a septenad, or any one of those which are defined by a different number? 
Moreover, how did it come to pass that from Logos and Zoe were sent forth ten ions, and neither more nor less, while again from Anthropos and Ecclesia proceeded twelve, although these might have been either more or less numerous? 2. And then again, with reference to the entire Pleroma, what reason is there that it should be divided into these three, an Ogdoad, a Decad, and a Duodecad, and not into some other number different from these? Moreover, with respect to the division itself, why has it been made into three parts, and not four, or five, or six, or into some other number among those which have no connection with such numbers as belong to creation? For they describe those ions above as being more ancient than these created things below, and it behooves them to possess their principle of being in themselves, one which existed before creation and not after the pattern of creation, all exactly agreeing as to the point. 3. The creation which we give of creation is one harmonious with that regular order of things prevailing in the world. For this scheme of ours is adapted to the things which have actually been made. But it is a matter of necessity that they, being unable to assign any reason belonging to these things themselves, with regard to those beings that existed before creation, and were perfected by themselves, should fall into the greatest perplexity. For, as to the points on which they interrogate us as knowing nothing of creation, they themselves, when questioned in turn respecting the pleroma, either make mention of mere human feelings, or have recourse to that sort of speech which bears only upon that harmony observable in creation, improperly giving us replies concerning things which are secondary, and not concerning those which, as they maintain, are primary. For we do not question them concerning that harmony which belongs to creation, nor concerning human feelings, but because they must acknowledge as to their octiform, decaform, and duodecaform pleroma, that is, the image of which they declare creation to be, that their father formed it of that figure vainly and thoughtlessly, and must ascribe to him deformity if he made anything without a reason. Or again, if they declare that the pleroma was so produced in accordance with the foresight of the father for the sake of creation, as if he had thus symmetrically arranged its very essence, then it follows that the pleroma can no longer be regarded as having been formed on its own account, but for the sake of that creation which was to be its image as possessing its likeness just as the clay model is not moulded for its own sake, but for the sake of the statue in brass, or gold, or silver about to be formed. Then creation will have greater honour than the pleroma, if, for its sake, those things above were produced. End of Book 2, Chapters 14-15